Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Well, as you know, the Word of God has a depth to it that we can never truly fathom. Who could ever plumb the depths of the words and thoughts of God Almighty Himself? Yet, God has presented His Word to us in such a way that we are able to understand simple truths necessary to be made right with Him. As we will hear, in the book of Psalms, He has placed several markers, using the term see law, to help us realize that we should stop and think over what we have just read. Yes, God doesn't want us to miss some important truths. Where do these full stops occur in Scripture? Well, in today's message, evangelist Mr. Sean Sinclair will look at a few of them, including the fact that life is short, that we all must face God as judge, and that our sins have offended a holy God, but also that Christ has willingly suffered for sin and has provided us with forgiveness and that Christ is the strong and victorious Savior who alone holds salvation in his hands. What wonderful truths to ponder indeed. Let's go right to Mr. Sean Sinclair's message as he looks at each of these points found in the book of Psalms. Psalm 3 and verse 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people, Selah. I'm going to say a little bit about that last word, because that's the word that is going to link together the different portions we're going to read tonight. Selah. It's a word that we find 74 times in the King James Version, at least of the Bible. Selah. And it's maybe a word that kind of stands out because it it hasn't been translated for us. We don't have an English word here. We have the basically the original word selah. Now, what does it mean? I don't know if you've listened to music a lot. Maybe some of you enjoy music or have studied music. When you're listening to music, or even if you've learned to play music, you'll realize that at different points in the music, you will find a rest. And a rest is just simply a time when you pause, you stop playing the instrument or the whatever it's singing, and there's a pause. It's a time when the composer wants us to stop and reflect and take note and maybe think about what's come before, and maybe there's been something said if there's words to the music. It's a time to stop and think. Now, we're looking at music here, and we don't have the notes for us, but we have these notations in the music that say Selah, the times when God himself says in these songs, in these hymns, these are points when I want my people as they sing them to pause, to stop, to reflect, to have a look and to think carefully about what they've just said. I'm going to pick a few out and I would like you to just do exactly what God wants you to do tonight. As we read them and as we speak about them, I want you to pause. I want you to think. There are things that maybe aren't crossing your mind in your normal activities through the day, but these are things that God says, I want you to take the time to stop and think about them. Let's look at them. We read one here, and we'll come back and go through these again in detail, but here we see that God says salvation is something to stop and think about. Let's go to Psalm 24. We'll just read them in the order that we find them, and then we'll go back and say 
a few things briefly. Psalm 24, verse 8, gives us another reason to pause and think. Verse 8 says, Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Verse 10 says, Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory, Selah. And so God says there's a victory and there's a victor. There's someone who has conquered and who is king. And he says, you pause and think about him. Psalm 32 and verse 5. This song has a very different flavor to it. It's a man and he's confessing his sin. It's David. He's facing his own guilt. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. He's speaking to God. And mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. We want to pause tonight and think about sin, about guilt, about transgressions, and thankfully about forgiveness. Sin, something that God says you need to pause and think about. Psalm 50, verse 6, And the heavens shall declare his, that's God's, righteousness, for God is judge himself, Selah. We need to pause and think about a God that we're accountable to, a God who is judge, a God who is righteous and right in his judgment. Psalm 85 verse 2 says, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins, Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Now here's one that's definitely worth thinking about tonight. A God who forgives. A God who is able to take away, to turn away from his, his wrath and extend mercy and salvation and forgiveness to you tonight. We'll want to pause and think about that. But flip the page to Psalm 88 and verse 6. Thou hast laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness and deeps. Thy wrath lieth hard upon me, and thou hast afflicted me with all thy waves. Selah. We won't want to miss this. Because here in this song, we're told that there's suffering. There's suffering that we are to pause and and consider tonight. And it's precisely the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. One last section to read, and it's in the next psalm, Psalm 89, verse 47. Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? Selah, Selah. Now, to be fair, we don't know for certain the exact meaning of Selah, but I think there's good reason to believe that it means to pause and think. Because really the the word, it's so closely linked to another Hebrew word that means to hang, to weigh, to weigh up. And so you can see it when God inspires the men that wrote these songs to pen the words. At certain points, he says, there are things that need to be weighed up. Things that need to be looked at and considered and analyzed. Things that need to be faced. Are you willing to face the things that God says you need to face? Have you faced these things? Let's look at the first one. I'm going to start with what we just read. It's there in front of you. Psalm 89, verse 47. Remember how short my time is. My family, we lived in Central America in El Salvador for six years. And our reason for being there was to preach the gospel, the same message that we preach in Canada You likely haven't heard too much about El Salvador. It doesn't make the news, but it's actually, it has the highest homicide rate in all the world. More murders per capita than anywhere else in the world. And so I remember on more than one occasion, but one is coming to my mind in particular, of preaching a message just like this. And in the middle of the message, pow, 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 
It sounds like fireworks when you hear it. People in the meeting like this are kind of looking at the door that's over to the side that's open, and I'm standing and I'm looking at the door too. And they don't know if they should go close the door or leave it open because there's danger in both. If if you're a witness to, to a murder, then your life is in danger as well. But if we leave the door open, then maybe somebody's going to come running in. And But what was interesting in El Salvador is because death was so real, so in your face, people thought about it. I remember week after week, I was keeping track for a while, but every single week I saw a dead body of somebody that had been killed on the side of the road, on the sidewalk, on a lawn there by the mall, just everywhere. And not only was it so real in the fact that you you saw people that had been murdered and, and killed or hit by cars, but the funerals, the funerals were something very different than here. I remember taking a funeral of a man that we knew, a father of one of the men that was coming to the gathering there where we were preaching. I spoke at the funeral, and then I had to get over onto the pile of dirt, and the son was there, and there was a brother of the man that had died, and myself, and a few others, and and there we are with the ropes, and and we're the ones that let the man down. And then the family gathers around, and, and we're the ones that start to push the dirt onto the casket. Now, why am I saying all that? Because... You see, when we preached there about death, when we spoke about the fact that life is short, everybody knew that it was for real. But here we are. You don't have any fear that you're going to be shot. And if you go to a funeral tonight or tomorrow, likely it's going to be a celebration of life. And I'm not against celebrating the life of a person that's died. But you see, everything about our society, everything around us is trying to hide from us the reality that we are going to die if the Lord Jesus doesn't come first. But death is real. And so I want to ask you tonight, not because I have a morbid fascination with death, but because God says in his word, stop and think, pause, and think about how short your life is. That's what God would like. How long will you live? You say, well, I hope to live to be 90 or 100. And then what? And then what? You see, that's the part where we want to just tune right out and think about anything else, and push those realities as far from our minds as we can. But God says, you you need to face these realities. He says, life is short. We read it. Who can avoid death? Who can deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? Who has the power here to stop death? None of us. Life is short. James chapter 4 in the New Testament says this, You don't know what's on the morrow. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. What's your life? It's even a vapor. Like you you see the steam coming out of the kettle. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes away. And my life seems so significant to me, but someday it's going to vanish away and your life will vanish away and new generations will come and others will live. And it just, it just seems so short. Maybe that's why we don't want to think about it. It just seems so insignificant. But God says, you think about it. Your life is short. We put all of our energy into the here and now. But God is saying, your life is short. Death is ahead of you. And you need to think about it, not because it's something that just ends it all. And and so focus on this life. No, God says, you think about the fact that death is ahead because after death is when the reality begins. As real as it is now, as real as our experiences in this life, God is saying this part of our existence is just the short part, the little part. The preparation part for what he has and what's laid out forever. And so he says, pause and think about it. Remember how short my time is. You know, that brings me to the next one. 
In Psalm 50, verse 6, we read these words. For God is judge himself. Selah. You know, there's a man in, in Daniel chapter 5 in the Old Testament, a king. And this king, Belshazzar, lived as if he didn't have to give account to anybody. That would be a nice way to live. Imagine, imagine if you called the shots on everything. You made the rules. You decided what was right and wrong. You did everything the way you wanted to do it, and you didn't have to answer to anybody. Well, that's basically, he was the head, he was the king of the Babylonish empire. So really, in this world, he didn't give account to anybody. It was him. But on one of those party nights, as he, as he lived as if it would go on forever, God makes a man's hand appear on the wall. He sees the handwriting words appear on the wall. He doesn't understand. He's afraid. He calls for Daniel, the last man he would normally call for. But Daniel is brought in. Daniel speaks to him on behalf of God. He brings the message from God. And he says, Belshazzar, you lived your life as if you were in control. When all along you knew because of your grandfather that there is a God. You knew by the way that you were raised, that you would have to give account to God. And yet you wouldn't humble your heart. You lived as if it didn't matter. And now God is saying, your days are numbered. You've been weighed in the balance and you're found wanting. Belshazzar, you're going to meet the judge. Are you ready to meet the judge? You see, God is saying in the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed unto man once to die. That was the first thing we need to think about. But God says, after that, the judgment. We must face God. We are accountable for all of our actions, all of our thoughts. We must give account to God for our sin against him. God is judge. You say, that's the, that's the last thing I want to, I want to think about. Well, that's exactly what God says you need to pause and think about tonight. Are you ready to meet him? Am I ready to meet him? You see, it's interesting that atheists, one of the hardest things, you ever listen to them trying to argue with someone who, who knows the Bible? One of the areas that the atheists just can't get around it, I mean, they, they have their ways, but it's just a failing argument, is the fact that in you and me, there's a sense of right and wrong. There's a sense of justice and injustice. That there's a sense of fairness. You can't explain that by survival of the fittest. It doesn't work. It's the opposite, in fact. There's no evolutionary explanation. Well, they'll try, but, but you see, where does that come from, that sense of justice and right and wrong? It's because God says in his word that you and I were made in his image. And so the very fact that God is judge and God is just, there's something of that implanted in you. And so that should make us reflect and think, all right, if God is just and judge and I have to face him and I look at my own life and I see that I failed, I see that I've sinned, how will it be when I stand in front of him? I must face God and so must you. That brings me to my third. In Psalm 32, verse 5, we find David. And I don't know if he could have said it in any more ways than he did. But we read, I acknowledge my sin, mine iniquity have I not hid. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. You see, here's a man, and he's finally getting to be honest with God. He's faced the fact that his life is short. He's faced the fact that God is judged. Now, I realize that this man has likely already appreciated God's forgiveness in the past, but I'm using it because it's still, it's still a beautiful section that makes it so clear. You see, here's a man, and he is facing his own guilt. Faced your guilt before? I remember sitting in a meeting like you are right now, and so many meetings I sat through listening to this message and, and I thought, well, good thing that fella came in. Good thing that she's here tonight. I remember sitting in the meeting when this 
reality started to sink in. I am guilty. I'm the sinner. I'm the one that's going to meet God, and it's my sin. What about your sin? In the New Testament, we're told all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We find two men. The Lord Jesus talks about them going up to the temple to pray. One is a religious man, and he's full of himself. I thank God that I'm not like other people are. I fast, I give tithes, I do this and that, and I don't do the other thing. But we find this tax collector going up, and he simply says to God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the beautiful words lead us into the next verse. It says, that man went down to his house justified. You see, the step, the pathway to the forgiveness that God is offering tonight is to first come before God like this verse is telling us that we need to do and be honest and be sincere and open before God and confess, I am a sinner. I'm the one who's offended you. I'm the one who has failed. I'm the one who has broken your word. I'm the one who has disobeyed your commandments. There's sin in my heart. There's sin in my life. And I need to be forgiven. Will we face our sin? Our sin against God? Psalm 88. It's a beautiful song. You say when you read it, it it doesn't seem so beautiful. It's speaking about suffering. It's speaking about waves. It's speaking about darkness. It's speaking about affliction. But as you read it, and then you go into the New Testament, you can't help but realize this is speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's speaking about the fact that there's one and he's going into suffering. And as he's suffering, he's suffering the just one for the unjust that he might bring us to God. And I love how right at the climax of this song, just as it's speaking about the darkest and deepest of suffering, it says, Selah, have you taken five minutes of your life to think about the suffering of the Lord Jesus? Why was he on the cross? Why was he suffering? Why the agony? Why the cry, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why the sweat and blood? Why was he there? Just like Lamentation tells us in the Old Testament, there's so many that pass by. Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold and see if there be any sorrow like unto my sorrow. The world tonight is full of people, and and I don't say it as if I'm any better than anyone else, who are rushing past the cross and hardly give a thought to the fact that there their Creator hung and bled and died out of love for their souls. It's nothing to them. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter. And then there are others, like we find in Isaiah chapter 53, and they don't understand. They, they misunderstand what's happening there. They're saying to themselves, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He must be there because of something he did. There must be something wrong with him. Uh, but can I take you to the next verse tonight? Why was he there? Can I ask you, why was the Lord Jesus on the cross? You listen to the answer from the Bible. But he was wounded for our transgressions. That's what David confessed, my transgressions. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement, the judgment that we deserve, it fell on him so that we could have peace. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Pause and think about the suffering. Because with that stripe, with that suffering, is the healing that you need. The forgiveness that you need tonight. That leads us to Psalm 24. Who's this king of glory? The one that's mighty in battle. Is Jesus Christ on the cross tonight? Absolutely not. Is he in the grave? No. Where is he? He rose. He lives. 
He ascended. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, Hebrews 10, 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin, forever sat down the right hand of the throne of God. And so tonight, there's a victor. There's someone who did the work, someone who suffered the consequences of our sins, someone who paid the price. He paid it in full, and he comes back from death in absolute victory. He's accomplished it. That's what he said when he finished his suffering. He he shouted, finished, accomplished. He did the work, and he's a victor tonight. And that leads me right back to where we started. Psalm 3, verse 8. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. I skip Psalm 85. There it speaks about the iniquity of your people. You've covered all their sins. You say, that that's fine, but could he cover my sins? You say tonight, did what he suffered on the cross, would that be enough to forgive all my sins? You say, you don't know about my sins, and I don't. And you don't know about my sins either. But you say, is what he did enough? You listen to what Paul preached in Acts chapter 13. Be it known unto you, therefore, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. By him, all that believe are justified from all things. No sin too big. No guilt too deep. The work of Christ is sufficient. So there we are. Salvation belongs unto the Lord Selah. Would you pause and think about it tonight? Do you have that salvation? Are you saved tonight? Are your sins forgiven? You say, I would love to be. Where do I go? What do I do? Salvation belongs unto the Lord. It's him you need. It's him that you need to trust tonight. What is it that God wants you to think about tonight? Your life is short. Are you ready? Life is short. You will face God. He is judge. You must face him. There's no way around it. The Bible says your sins have offended him and his holiness. You can be honest with God about your sin. He says, pause and think about it. Christ suffered for sin, the just one for the unjust ones, that he might bring us to God. Think about the reason for his suffering. There's forgiveness and pardon tonight. Because of what he's done, he died, he was buried, he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. He lives, he's a victorious savior, he can be trusted. He says, pause and think about it. Salvation is the Lord's. Do you have him? Is he yours? Pause and think about it. Yes, faith comes through the hearing of the word of God and through the honest reading of it. Get your Bible today and read it, won't you? And when you come across the word Selah, be sure to stop and consider what it means. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, 
and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest to you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul. <laughs>